Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers from FasterSkier.com. I am stoked about this episode. We're here to recap just an absolutely fabulous weekend of racing at Les Russes, a new venue in France. We've got a special guest in Tony Sear, the 24-year-old Canadian who's having a breakout season on the World Cup. And then you'll hear from a mystery guest in the middle of the show as well. We know we've been a little delinquent in recording a mailbag episode, but that is still on our agenda before World Championships. For now, sit back, relax. We'll be right back. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Mount Bachelor Nordic Center. Located outside beautiful Bend, Oregon, the Mount Bachelor Nordic Center has 56 kilometers of daily groomed Nordic trails. With a season that typically runs late November until the end of May, Mount Bachelor has one of the longest Nordic seasons in North America. The Nordic Center hosts a full rental fleet, various instructional classes for all ages and abilities, an on-site retail store, and the cozy Nordic cafe. So be sure to check out this winter wonderland this season. To learn more about tickets, passes, and resort amenities, go to mtbachelor.com. What's going on, dude? You look great. How's it going? Oh, man, I just, uh, yeah, I watched like three races this morning, had a lot of catching up to do. Um, just watched them at like double speak. What, what a weekend. Best World Cup weekend by far. It's not even funny. It makes the rest of the World Cup look like the Mickey Mouse Club. I'm like psyched to be going to Slovenia and Oslo, but like I feel like France is going to be like, that's going to be hard atmosphere to beat, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> Holman Colon is crazy. So you can you can look forward to that. Here's the yeah. man of the hour himself, Tony Boyd. Yo, what's up? Not much. So we have, um, well, this is, you know, you don't listen to this, which is good. That's the way. <laughs> But, he doesn't uh, he doesn't li- he doesn't listen no, to this of course he doesn't active athletes shouldn't listen to this shit like you just just train listen to music do your thing don't listen to like an opinion of a washed up old fat out of shape has been but <laughs> but what it is what is cool is it's great to have tony finally on the podcast because for people that don't know antoine sear the leader of the canadian ski team hands down that has had a break a breakout season like I think that's an understatement that's like maybe the biggest understatement I've ever said like in a massively breakout season and today had another wonderful race and uh, we're we're psyched to hear his his opinion about it yeah well thanks thanks for having me on the the pod I think is a dream come true for me I know you always say it's a I shouldn't listen to it. And and in, in the past few days, I've done my uh, my research. So I listened to a few uh, few episodes and it's pretty cracking. Um, and uh, like, it, it's also good because, I, I mean, we were talking about it, me and you and, and uh, Lillehammer, I think. Uh, my dad and his co-workers listened to it. And uh, he's a gym teacher, my dad, and they listened to it and they're like, no, office beside the 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 gym at the school so no i think it's great for like us and canadian to have like a a pod and something to to listen and yeah something to to follow you know i think it's good and yeah happy to be here finally (laughs) good to good to know the kershaw show is big in quebec um (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure i mean especially when you get um guests like 
Harv and and uh, Lenny for sure. Like in Quebec, those those guys. I mean, I mean Devin too. In in, in Quebec, those guys are are uh, legends. So yeah, in skiing. <laughs> um. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know where where you want to start, Devin. But my my first question is, uh, Tony, can you just like tell us what it was like racing in France this weekend because it looked lit. Oh man, I think um, yeah, I think skiing needs more of these of these events. I mean, uh, for I, I think for you, Kirsch, did you race in in no, you didn't race in uh, Quebec in 2019, eh? Not in 2019. No, I was retired already. But I but I was yeah. at the I was at the other Quebec races. Uh, was that 2017 or 2018? Uh, I, I, I raced so. in Quebec, and the atmosphere in Quebec was was amazing and I've raced in France as well. I mean, La Clusa has traditionally been an amazing atmosphere every time I've ever raced there. But what I saw this weekend, I'm glad Nat just opens that up with a question like that. Like at least from a TV perspective, it was hands down and not even funny and not even close, the best atmosphere and venue I've seen on TV on the World Cup to date this year and what they did, especially with today's race. Now, like I want to get in like from today's race and we can work our way backwards, but today's race course was so freaking amazing to see. And like, if you want to make like, let's make men's racing great again, that's how you do it. You put together a course like that, a six lapper 3.3 K and like it had everything it had, it had a hill that, I haven't seen since like maybe the Otapa climb, which, uh, which is a famous monster climb in, in Estonia on the world cup course there that was insanely steep. I mean, the women, especially it, they were walking up that thing. Like Lynn Spahn, was, they were Lynn Spahn and Jesse Diggins looked like shattered. Like literally somebody just took a shotgun to both of those women's legs and just exploded their legs. It was crazy. And then the was, men, watching Diedrich especially like hammer up there and and like you guys like trying to hang on to the pace like that it it was amazing and then the last I wanted to I'm obviously getting pretty stoked but like especially the last kilometer of that 3.32 as well if you want to make a men's race exciting put some work at the tail end of a course and like the last lap of that race Tony if you go back and watch or whatever like what Evo was doing in the last kilometer of that race was crazy like so anyway, it was a super exciting race. So I just wanted to get your, like, like Nat said, just piggybacking off what he just said, like, I got to hear what, what it felt like to race all weekend, but especially today. I mean, have you raced, have you ever raced a world cup or a cross country ski race in your career with an atmosphere like that? Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like I, there is two, three world cup I've done in my entire life, including this one where we had such a great atmosphere and like, man, Merci la France, because today, like, I mean, at the whole weekend, just delivered, like, man, it was such good atmosphere. The fans were awesome. And for me, it was the second time in my entire career where I, like, I felt like I was at home racing. The fans were yelling my name on the side of the track. Um, I mean, I think some of them know, well, Antoine is a pretty French-Canadian or French name. So for sure, like, I was hearing my name 
everywhere and and yeah the atmosphere was just crazy i mean they had a big tent um and like a little like village you could go through at the at the in the stadium and like every night from friday and i'm sure tonight it's it's going on it's party like crazy party yesterday apparently was like a bender um the french techs were home at like two in the morning and they had plenty of uh, drinks and yeah no it was, it was just crazy the atmosphere and yeah like it was um so far this year i think it was one of the one of the nicest course we've seen um it reminded me a little bit of lillehammer but just way harder um the the steep climb they call it i don't, I don't remember what they call it i think they they call it um uh i don't remember but anyway it's 25 percent um the grade on the uphill and man you were talking about the woman like w walking up the hill I'm telling you, in the men race, we walked up the hill, like on, I think, on the lap where there was the bonus after the guys in front just slowed down so much. Like that, that hill was so hard. And then it was, it was just, from a, the just hill a, like, too. I was just going to, like, for folks that maybe didn't get to see it, like they, they literally like sent the race up a ski jump, like a, like a, you know, a full on like Nordic combined style like you know 120 whatever like it was like yeah they were going up the, along a ski jump it just it looked absolutely ridiculous like you know <laughs> if you were a mere mortal you would have to like stop for water before you got to the top kind of thing yeah exactly yeah yeah and and like it was great too because um it wasn't a super wide course um so like if you wanted to make a position, you had to take risk and do it in the descent, in the downhills. And you had to ski the downhills like to perfection and push every corner as hard as possible. And there was this one pretty sketchy corner on the course as well, which like some people were taking like really cautiously and like they were like saying like, slow down, slow down. But then there was guys like, like me and 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 others for sure um i i was taking risk on this like on the corners like i had to i mean if you want to make up spots you you kind of have to but no man racing here was was awesome and for sure to have a great weekend is is awesome too and um yeah today was like really like it was really hard race i mean the norwegian I think Evo and and uh, Poroma was up there too. They were putting on like pretty solid pace from from lap one. I mean, you haven't seen that this year like as much as other years. Um, I think, yeah, they they went pretty hard from the start, and then um, I was hanging a little far behind on the two first lap, and then I kind of got hang of the hang of the game, and I saw like. There was, we were doing the elastic a lot on the downhill, and I felt like I had to move up position a lot. Um, and yeah, I moved up on the third lap when the bonus sprint was happening, and then uh, they went hard, and there was a split. I think, I think it's third lap. It's it's hard to say, but I think yeah, third lap was a split, and then I was with the small group in front until the fifth lap, and the fifth lap, I was like not doing so good on the long steep like ski jump climb 
and then um, on the way, on the gradual uphill, I was doing uh, like good, and on the double pulling, I was doing good too. So I was like, I'll let myself drop a little bit, and if I can come back, I'll come back. But yeah, I kind of paced it a little bit because there was still one lap left, and I I didn't want to like go as hard as I can to catch the front the front group and like blow my load and can't can't do like the last lap and just go backwards. And yeah, in the end, I think it, it paid off. And yeah, I skied the last lap with uh, Nienget. And um, yeah, I was talking to, like I saw there was one Finnish guy that was coming back pretty fast. And so I was putting, like I was doing most of the work. And then at one point I was like, kind of making him signs to go in front and he just attacked me. <laughs> and then, and then I thought, I was like, okay, then you'll stay in front. But then I went back in front, still led the, the sand, the downhill towards the stadium. And then he, uh, he out sprinted me, which is, which is fair. He's experienced skier. And yeah, I think the Finnish guy didn't come back on, on to us, but he was close. So yeah, no, I'm super stoked with the race. And yeah, yesterday's sprint was, was great too. And yeah, I think overall, super good weekend for me so yeah no it really was it was an amazing weekend for you and for people listening and and just to give some context and this is why i'm really excited for you tony is like like top 10 in the world cup that that's that's really like you're elite you're really truly elite if you're racing into the top 10 uh on the world cup and, and to do that in in the last classic race before the world championships it's happening in, in a few weeks here that's going to give you a lot of confidence and, and the backup like we talked and we sung your praises on an earlier episode of the tour to ski we were hoping to get you on there but it just didn't work out but like for people that were listening like tony was like a hair's breadth from from a podium in val de fiam in a very different race a very very different race a very tactical race compared to this one um and you came away with a fourth place finish you were sixth in the classic sprint the day before and and then to be top 10 i mean what i saw today i mean this is my like you can say what you want, but I mean, I think if that's not your best race of your career, I don't know what it is. I mean, it was like very, very beautifully executed in a very challenging race. And, and just to give some context around today's 20 K for the men, we talked about the course at, at length now, but like Claybo wins the thing and, and that's to be expected. He, he had some revenge that he wanted to <laughs> wanted <laughs> after, after losing yesterday, but you know, Claybo's an interesting cat right now because he's, He's, uh, he's preparing for world championships and he wants to do something really special. And he knows that he knows without the Russians there, this is a good opportunity. He could take five gold medals. Like he, he could literally do a Valde and take five gold medals at the championship. And he's at altitude right now. And he actually came down to France right from altitude Thursday night. So, you know, I wasn't crazy surprised that he looked a little, I didn't even look that flat in the sprint. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from Juve. We'll get back to that because that was a beautiful sprint. But regardless, he looked great today. Ivo Niskanen is so good for fans that, that want to see him back. And and anyone that loves classic skiing, you got to watch the last lap of that thing. Because like Ivo Niskanen was on the rivet, man. Like just trying with everything he can. He secures a podium. My boy Poromat, double podium weekend for him, finally breaks through for the young Swede. I thought that was awesome. I mean, and like you said, Tony, he was pressing early in, in the race today. Uh, he was making it known, you know, obviously, take, obviously taking some swagger out of the out of the 10K skate that we'll kind of come back around to. And, and uh, yeah, man, eighth place for you is amazing. Two fins in the top 10, too. 
Kirvanen was, um, it was actually crazy. This is what I found so exciting about the men's race. And I'm like, it's like the first time this year that I'm like really psyched about men's racing. It's like, Kirvanen was down and out. Like it was over. Like he was, it's like, he was in that chase pack, which was a great chase pack. I mean, you have like, you have Amundsen, you have Scott Patterson, Patty, you have, you know, Holen and stuff. But then he kind of launched out of that chase pack and was trying to get back to you guys. But you guys were so good. You and Niang had to hold them off. And Scott Patterson had a, had a solid race, too. He didn't make it look good. I mean, Patterson was 12th, which is a great, great best race of the season for, for him. I would say, again, based on how the race went, it was such a hard race today. And I mean, man, like his technique just looked fish from like lap one, but somehow he hung on there for, for, <laughs> for, for, for top 12. So I, I just thought the, the men's race had, had everything. I mean, maybe another little storyline before we move on is like Kruger, uh, back in, in 24th, you know, he's coming off COVID of course, but he had just a raunch fest of a weekend. And, and these are the last races before Norway, Norway's going to name their world championship team on Tuesday. And it's going to be a disaster. I mean, I like there. The, the newspapers here and the it's all just going to blow up because like, I don't know how you pick a men's team for Norway this year. It's everyone is so good and they're so good every weekend. And when one guy has a bad race, the guy that had a bad race the week before comes out and is a boss. So it's uh there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun storylines to follow with that, but, and before we move on, Oh, sorry, go on. Nat. Well, I just, I just wanted to emphasize. I mean, I think um like getting, getting to see Ivo Niskanen like back, you know, he, he had COVID and then he had, uh, uh, he had a baby. Uh, he didn't have the baby, but his, his partner had the baby. And, um, you know, we'd seen him a couple times this year and not looking like the Ivo Niskanen that was winning Olympic medals in Beijing and just to like have someone, you know, making Clybo work like the way Clybo had to work to win that race today. It's just, I feel like, you know, as, as you said, um, the fact that it seems like he's going to be fit and is going to be in the mix now, you know, just in time for world championships. Like I'm, I'm super stoked about that. And I, you know, just agree that this race was it, the whole weekend, but this race was a, a really good one to watch for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, thanks Devin for, for, uh, the, the praise and the tour de ski. And, and before we move on, uh, uh, to the other races, like, if if I can allow myself to come back to the tour and and I think like this is a it, it's linked it's it's a little long story but I'll, I'll try and make it short but um yeah like it, in the tour de ski after the the sixth place in the final um I talked to my coach uh, Louis that you know very well and um so I pick up the phone and I'm I'm expecting for him to be like dude that's crazy and everything and. Um, Louis just like he said, Hey, good job. That was a great day. And then he started going like, and I felt this was like conversation he had with Alex in, in the days, like in the past years when Alex was making finals, like a lot of the, this for, for, for like most part of the season. And he just went into me. Like he was, he was trashing me. He was like, man, you ski terribly today. Like the final, what the fuck did you do? Like, what was happening and all. And I was like, for eight minutes straight. So the phone call was 10 minutes and that was eight minutes of the phone call. And and I hang up and I was thinking about it and everything. I was like, man, if this was my only chance to be in the top 10 on the World Cup, he's kind of right. I kind of I kind of missed it. And then um, 
the day after I get four and I pick up the phone and he, he calls me as I have like six or seven phone calls. And, um, and so I finally answer and, and then I'm like, he's like, I'm like, oh, for sure. He's going to tell me like, what did you do in the finish? Like you were so close, but you didn't get it. And then he was just like in tears and he was like, man, that's beautiful skiing. And I don't think with that phone call that we had together, I would have been even close to eighth place today, nor would I would have been close to a fourth place in the tour de ski. So, so yeah, I think like eight today comes with big confidence boost going, especially going towards the world champs and, and everything like this was such an important race to, to do. And as you see, all the other nation were here in tip top shape with their full squad and racing as hard as they can. Cause I think is this weekend is where the world champ is going to be played. Now people are going back to training. They're going to adjust their training. They're going to do what's needed to, to be as strong as possible in, in, uh, in the world champs. And I was talking to uh, Paroma um, in the, in the anti-doping uh, zone and he was going to Livigno. I know a bunch of people are going to altitude now. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was a great race. And I think, yeah, man, like it was great 20 K. So yeah, no, it was fun, fun to be part of it. So. Yeah, it's fun to watch. And I thought it's cool you brought that up with the, with the coaching, like with Louis and stuff. And like with, uh, it was a beautiful race. I agree with them. I mean, I mean, fourth place. I I was texting with some of the coaches there and they were saying you were disappointed. I was going to like get on a plane and smack you because like you you perform beautifully. And sometimes sometimes guys are better. And that's just how it is. Doesn't mean they're yeah. going to be better tomorrow. It doesn't mean they're going to be better tomorrow. It doesn't mean they're going to be better next week. But on the day, you can only do what you could do. And you, you skied a beautiful race at the tour. Like today, you skied a beautiful race. But I think it's really important you brought that up. And before we move on, like, I, I because there's another little story for the weekend. I'm glad you're on because I want to hear this this side of the story. And then we, then we can just breeze through the other races. Um, yeah. Since we, since we have you here, it's better to have a discussion uh, than just kind of go through everything with a fine tooth comb. But but I, I, I agree. I, I think, and I had conversations, I mean, I had conversations with the, the Nordic Canada staff over, over this, this situation. And I can just come right out and say it, like, I've got nothing to lose. Like, I, I think, I, I think it was silly of people racing at a very high level. And that's, that's you and Catherine Stewart Jones in Canada specifically. Graham Ritchie was also coming online a little bit, like all around like the low twenties. So for you three, especially, but it's like, you have a, you have a world championship in, in Europe and flying all the way back to Canada. Nat and I touched on this, uh, in the last podcast about like the stress and the, the, the risk you run when you do that and stepping away from the world cup when you're on like, like breakthrough seasons. And I put you in this category, the like Graham Ritchie is not having a breakthrough season yet, but, but you are most definitely having a breakthrough season. You're, You've never been better, not even close to the season you've been able to put together so far. And Catherine, too. Mm. Like, Catherine Stewart-Jones from Canada has had, like, a total breakthrough season with top 10 in the World Cup. And I really believe that you guys should be in Europe and you guys should be preparing for the World Championships in Europe. And I totally agree that Leroux, especially, where it's placed in the calendar, super, super important uh, competitions to get and with the atmosphere and everything, it's, it brings the stoke into the training. I mean, we couldn't have called that before, but regardless, like to get like a real good test, like a post tour test 
couple great races, go back, train, and then turn your focus to the world championships. And instead, um, the Canadian squad this year decided to try and do this, this preparation in Canada. And I, I'm, I don't agree with it personally. I, I think it's a, I think it's a risk and I think it's an, un, an unnecessary risk. So it's really cool to see you on the start line here as the lone Canadian. And, and we need to get one more story from you and then we'll just start moving through because the women's races are actually really awesome too. in the men's races, yeah. but, but I do want to hear this story because people might not understand this. And it's actually, I was like laughing about it, but <laughs> Tony was with the French team this weekend Like for people that, think that cross-country skiing is like super pro like pro cycling or something yeah exactly um holding up a picture of the whole french team um so tony was supported by the french team and had been staying with the french team uh and they've been waxing your skis and and of course you you share a language and you you've been training with them a little bit in the off season in prior years so it's not like you don't know them you 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 have a good relationship with the french team but just imagine this for a second people that listen that like cycling like, could you imagine, like, Ineos is like, yeah, we're not going to this world tour race, like, pro tour race, but you can, like, Jumbo Beastman's going. You want to just hop in with Jumbo Beastman for the, of course, this doesn't happen. Like, this just doesn't happen. And I'm so thrilled, and I'm thrilled that this worked out for you. But to me, it's just, like, bizarro. Uh, we can leave it there. We don't need to get into, to, to like, the kind of politics of it. Yeah. But can you just tell me, how was it to be with a European team for a world cup weekend at their home world cup weekend. Cause I think that must been, that must've been like quite, quite an experience. So can you just tell, like, yeah. tell us how that, how that was as a Canadian with the, with the French team. And then we, well, then we, we got to get through some of the other races cause they were awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to touch uh, too much on the politics. I think, yeah, I'll leave that to you, Devin. Um, but no, yeah. Like uh, when, when the worst was happening, I, yeah, I was like, I've got to be there and and I made my plan this year on like this season to be racing here and and it was hard hard criteria and and everything but yeah um I was I after the tour I went to uh, Barcelona for 4 days with my girlfriend and then we went back to Toe Black for a week um where I started training again which was great skiing in Toe Black and um, it's crazy snow there right now so and then, yeah, I, I was like, man, I, Leros was happening. They had snow. And I was like, I, I got to be there. So I made a few phone calls. I reached out to a, a couple team and, and yeah, some team turned me down. And then I was like, well, I, I'll try with the French team. I mean, I've, I know, I know the distance coach pretty well. Um, he invited me and Oli uh, uh, and me last year to join a training camp in, in Tsing with them. And um, I was like, I'll take my chance. Like, it's their home World Cup. I was with, I, I was honestly thinking they were going to say no because um, they were going to have more athletes and, and everything. And, uh, yeah, he just pulled through, man. He, he was like, yeah, dude, for sure, we can we can help you. And you need uh, you need to, like, a hotel room and everything. I was like, yeah, I, I would need the hotel room. And um, yeah, they were they were great. And it was so bizarre, though. Like, I came here in my own car. Um, it felt like a, like a Quebec Cup, you know? It felt like a provincial. I was going to a provincial race. Like, the car was packed. I only had six pair of classic skis because the truck 
the truck is in, is parked in Innsbruck and has all my my good skis in it. So I only had like a small bag, and um, yeah, like like man, they were they were so good to me. They like they helped me as as best as they can. It's not it's not perfect. Like it's not my team. I didn't have my wax set here with me. Um, like the the coaches too. Like they have the priority for them is the French athlete at the end of the day. So like for sure, if they they can help me after they help the French athlete, they'll they'll do it. But no, it's really bizarre, and I I think great experience so far, and also is so so cool to experience like jove wins yesterday um i did my race prep the day before with him um it was yeah it was like at the meeting before the sprint with the, those guys i was like at the meeting the day after the sprint like the, the before uh, last night i was with them so it was such a great experience and yeah a big hats off to Big hats off to to the French team for for hosting me. Yeah, we have a nice surprise guest. Of just uh, that's Alex Hardy joining us. So maybe Hi. just dropping in like that. Yeah, just the, this the prince the prince of Quebec. You know, like when when we have uh, a Quebec athlete with back to back top tens in the World Cup, of course the prince is going to get uh, like his panties in a knot here, and it's got to make sure that. Cut you down a peg or two, uh, Tony. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're awesome to have Alex. It's good. We can go through some of the races with Alex, but I'm sure Alex wants to say a little hi to you, Tony. Yeah. Good job, Tony. I, I texted with him already, but it's good to say it uh, out loud. So good yeah. job. Great, great Thanks, showing against this weekend. It's awesome. To Thanks, see. man. Yeah. Nice to talk to you <laughs> in person. Yeah. Are we, uh, are we, we going to move to En Francais, Belgeonais, uh, ça or is this going to stay in English? I will just quickly interject. My one of my favorite parts of this weekend was uh, after at your after the sprint when uh, when Richard Juve won the sprint. They they like did the international the interview for the international feed, and the the fifth person is like, "How is how is your race?" Uh, how's your race Richard? And he was like, Oh, uh, en français, you know, for the home crowd and just does the whole, like, he like gives a whole recap of his day, just like in French and then pieces out. And like, that's all. <laughs> yeah. so that's, you don't have to do that, but you know, we could. Um, yeah. That, you know what? speaks French. But like when we have, uh, when we have an American here, we'll, we'll, we, we can keep, we can keep it English, but I, but it would be fun though. We'll, we'll have, you know what? Maybe we'll have to do a French podcast. That'd be sweet. If we could rally Alex and you, Tony, we can, we can set one out in French. Maybe we'll get like 16 listeners instead of 13. So it'd be sweet, <laughs> but uh, no, but um no, it's awesome to have Harv on here. Maybe, well, you know what? Maybe we'll just go through the men's races. We Harv, what you missed is that we just blasted through the whole, the best race. Sorry, buddy, you missed it. But like the 20K, the 20K distance race was just so insane. So we're going to move on oh, yeah. to that. But, it, but it, was, it was the best men's race of the year. We loved it. We're stoked for Tony. And he, and he took us through the whole thing, which was sweet. So we'll just move on to the sprint because I also think the men's sprint was insane and awesome. Tony made the heats again. Congratulations for that. Fifth in your quarterfinal. And we can kind of get your perspective on that but before we get the perspective on that we got to talk about the final like oh my oh my god like the final had everything for me in, in that you want in a classic sprint it was tight racing a space was limited a Klebo who is so much better in the corners than everyone else was like kind of like also cornering better than everyone else 
but not getting the not getting the advantages that we're normally seeing with Claybo with those corners. Guys were not giving him the real estate. Like he didn't have the space that he normally does. I also, I don't know what you noticed, Harv, but like Goldberg was like off the back. And it like Kristen and I were like, oh man, like I think Paul's like tired in the final. Like he, I and you know how it is with Paul sometimes. Like if he's off the back, he just kind of gives up. And I'm like, oh man, like maybe he's but it was his strategy just to stay out of trouble. And he knew he had to have that big finish. And I wanted to hear Tony's perspective on like the finishing straight in Leroux looked like, again, like gradual uphill a bit and you're coming off a corner, but you're coming off a corner with tired legs and then kind of like a gradual climb to the finish. And you saw Paul like go from what I thought, like out of position and bang, next thing you know, like he's right there and secures the podium. What a season Paul's having. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. He's not winning the overall world cup when you think he's been on the podium eight times and he's not leading the <laughs> overall world cup. Like that's crazy. But um yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to hear you guys' perspective on Alex too. Like, and then and then Juve and then Juve torching, well, not torching, but Juve out sprinting Claybo in a classic sprint. Let's rewind. When's the last time Claybo's lost a classic sprint? It was once in Ruka when he looked the other way and like chilled. Is like I won this, and then Bolshinov pipped him and got and got the sprint win. And aside from that, like Claybo's never lost the classic sprint. Like it's it. This is big, and Juve pressed him in Lavinio too last weekend. So uh, I don't know. What did you see, Harv? Like, let's get your perspective before we ask Tony how, what he thought. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. It was like a, the course, like all the work was done in the first minute 15 and minutes 25 for the, for the women, like minute 15 for the men. And then after that, it was all like being scaled in the downhills. And it was, I agree with you about Paul's uh, tactic. Like, I was telling because I was watching afterwards with with Sophie, my wife, and I was like, "Oh, Paul is he's out of position. It's it's going to be too hard for him to come back in that kind of twisty, turny downhill." Uh, but that was his tactic, and I think he had he knew he had the equipment to to make it work. Unlike today, to me, it seemed like today in the twenty k, he was struggling a bit with the glide. But for for Paul, yeah, it was impressive. But for me, it was Juve obviously winning in front of the home crowd, and what a crowd! Like it was just the atmosphere looked like amazing and of course with with a french winning an home soil you can just imagine that the party that went afterwards uh, with the crowd like you saw just guys and girls afterwards just like already partying their face up because uh, because a frenchman won so it was it was great to see and i think with you know with pellegrino beating claybo like at the head you know without claybo having sort of a, an issue with like broken equipment or anything like that I think the guys are maybe starting to taste a little bit of blood in the water. Like Playbo is still the best skier in the world. He's still the best sprinter in the world. Like that's on like, you know, it's bar none. It's like that. But I think there's a bit of confidence knowing that Pellegrino beat him at the head. Juve was close to him in Livigno. And now with the extra motivation at home, like get, getting that extra kick in the finish, I think the guys are starting to, to, to give him a little bit less respect than they used to. And, like you said, in those corners, he didn't have as much space as he used to. And it may be maybe a reason why is that the guys are thinking, you know, we're not going to give him that extra meter in, in each corner and we're going to push him to its to his limits. So it's it's good to see. It makes it exciting. And and yeah, Juve is just really, really impressive for me. Yeah. And also it's like one of the hardest finish, like sprint finish I've seen. Like, man, it 
the the finish maybe it doesn't look like that on camera but you you saw in the final Pele was started like yeah, striding you know and yeah that finish is so hard and because of the snow as well is like mix of fresh snow and, and artificial like the poles were going like there was like little it, it, it wasn't perfect pulling it and and like that finish was just like the perfect grade to be one of the hardest finish like sprint finish on the world cup for sure like man and it is pretty long as well like because you come off the downhill into the corner and then from the corner all the way to the finish it's yeah it was a long working section and yeah see juve like juve beat clebo like that like head to head just like straight up just beat him that was crazy and yeah a quick story that, that was that was pretty funny um i was doing the I, i wasn't racing the 10k so i was doing the race prep with the sprinters and it was just me and shanava and uh, me Shan, uh, shanava juve and me doing the race prep so we do uh, like uh, most of it and then uh, we get to the the final part and um juve is like man there's something that isn't right like my my like left leg was like all stiff and, and he's like man i need to see a doctor or physio right now like i'm I'm not doing good and and he had like this this problem before it seems like and shanavo was kind of joking to him and he was like oh man every time you you have a problem problem before a sprint that means you're gonna have a good day the next day because apparently in livigno too it, it was like Juve was like, man, I'm not feeling good today. And uh, yeah, then he had a great day. But yeah, like Juve was full on, like there was something wrong with, with his, his, his left leg or right leg. I can't remember. And like he didn't finish a race prep and all. And then to see him race the next day like this was just like, that was crazy. Yeah. And yeah, Paul, Paul Goldberg on the sprint day had like, man, he had good skis. Like my semi was... And my quarter was with him and he just like flew by everyone. I mean, he has like for sure the best Rossi skis there, there is, but yeah, no, he was super fast. So yeah. yeah. No, I thought that that's hilarious. Well, uh, you know, Harv knows I love a sandbagger. <laughs> yeah. There's uh yeah, back in the days I was may have been known to be a sandbagger. But I also thought like looking back into the, the semifinals too, I think like Ben Ogden flies back to, to Europe. Um, you know, had some school stuff he had to get done and then came all the way back and then back into the semifinals, which is great for him. I, I think it was kind of a, well, let's be honest, it was a sad day for, for America uh, <laughs> otherwise, but uh, it would really highlight with Benny back in the semis. And then the Finns too, like Moylanen, the, the world junior champ, making the semifinals as well and like Vuranen as well. I, I thought that, you know what, the Finns are coming on real strong right now uh, in distance, two guys in the top 10, In the sprints, they had two guys in the top 10. The women were really good. We'll get to that too. Uh, they're kicking ass at World Juniors. They're kicking ass at M23. So like it's a, it's a real resurgent Finnish squad, which is which is cool to see. And then of course, like Shanavaz in there in ninth and, and then Togbolt's in seventh. It's just going to be hell again. Like we, Alex, before you jumped on, we were talking about how hard it's going to be. On Tuesday, the, the Norwegian team is announcing their their uh their squad for Worlds and like what a night, what a nightmare. <laughs> what a total yeah. nightmare. So <laughs> There's going to be hate mails and like articles and people crying and stuff. So, but again, like, like Holvard, like had an injury earlier this year 
and missed a lot of the season and bang right back up there in seventh and stuff. So pretty crazy, but let's move on to the 10 K skate for men. And then we'll start going through the women. But what did you see with the 10 K skate Harv? I mean, Matt juice, they did it. <laughs> I mean, no, but like, oh, yeah. Amundsen, but, Amundsen was yeah. insane. He skis so well. I mean, Amundsen, I just love his technique. He's so springy, but still smooth. And it's, I mean, he, you know, had he not crashed at, at world champs in, in Obersdorf, I think he would have given Hole and a run for his money for the world title in the 15K skate there two years ago. So, no, I think Hamminson was a well-deserved uh, first World Cup win. First win. Um, and it was, yeah, just skiing beautifully. And the course just looked so hard at, at altitude like that and with that big uphill and, and a downhill again that you need to work the whole way. So even though it was only a 10K, it looked like it was a really... Uh, really challenging course. Uh, it, for me, it was, I mean, it's good to see Schur, uh after struggling. And I mean, I've always had a good relationship with Schur. So after struggling on, up until the Tour de Ski, it's good to see him back kind of, you know, at the level that everybody expects him uh, to be. Uh, so no, I, I thought it was an exciting race. Paroma, I know you have a, you, you really like him. I like him as well. He, I just, I like his, his technique. I like how it's good to see fresh new faces in the top 10, top five, and on the podium. Uh, two, you know, basically two, two back to back podiums for him, him not being a sprinter. Uh, so no, I, I think it was, it was good to see. And Claybo again, you know, he wasn't on the podium this time, but he, he started kind of so chill in the race and quite far off for him, but looking so relaxed and knowing that on a course like that at altitude, he knew what he had to do to, to put himself in a, in a good position to, to keep, you know, making some points in the overall and to secure that title once again. So good race for him. And I, I remember I texted you, Kirsch, what happened to Kruger? But what happened to Kruger after, like, you know, last time I was on the podcast, we were wondering about his shape. And I, I remember saying, but just wait for Kruger and Davos. The guy excels at altitude and skating. He won Davos. I thought he'd be great in Leros again and maybe a bit of fatigue after the Tour de Ski but uh, yeah just kind of a bit of a question mark for him I'm sure he's going to make the squad for world champs especially with the 15k skate they have five starts with Poland uh, being the world defending world champ there but still it's it's a bit of a question mark at that point of the season sometimes you know it's early season when you're missing your form there's always time for it to come back but when it starts happening after the Tour when the start, the shape starts going down and there's too much fatigue, sometimes it's, it's hard for it to come back to, to normal. So it's, uh, it'll be at least interesting to, to follow what, what happens with, with Kruger's shape. Uh, cause he's, I mean, he's a great skier, he's a great championship skier and it's, it's, it's coming soon now. So, uh, that, that'll be interesting for me to, to see what, uh, how that situation evolves. Yeah, like Kruger, Kruger, what was crazy is like after the tour, he was roommates with uh, Nienga and Nienga left the tour with COVID. And then the, oh. Tuesday, then the Tuesday after the tour, Kruger got COVID again for the second time because people that listen, but people that listen to the podcast uh, remembered like the Olympics in Beijing. I mean, he was, it was crazy. He got COVID, it like was locked in his hotel room for 14 days in Sazerac, couldn't go out because it was really, really strict COVID measures. And, and then came back to take that bronze medal in the, in the 26.7 kilometer 50K that was the Beijing distance. <laughs> uh, but, but regardless, yeah. So, but again, like he's running out of days. I agree with you, Alex. And, and uh, Niang also had COVID, he had COVID whatever, like five days before, um, 
for the second time as well before um before Kruger and, and he's come back skiing with Tony, a great race, like a solid race, maybe not, a, maybe not a great race for Niang if we're being honest, he's home and Colin champion. So he's a great classic skier, but a solid race for, for him. So he he's bounced back. But before we move on a little bit too, like Alex, like, because I, I sing his praises all the time. And I think I, I, and we get a lot of emails and stuff about, about the technique part of things. So I think it'd be, it's cool that you mentioned like Amundsen. I totally agree. I think Amundsen has maybe the best technique in the world in skating. And you touched on it a little bit. And Porma, I think you and I both share the same, well, we 100% share the same views on his on his technique. But like, could you just talk for like 30 seconds? Like you, you touched on what you liked about Abinson, but can you just say a couple things for like younger athletes or whatever that like Porma and Amundsen, like some some things you're seeing as a, well, I mean, a world champion in skating uh, uh, with two of those young guys, especially because- yeah. They're 25 and, and 22. Like these guys are young guns. And I think what they're doing in skating is it, there's a lot of things to, to be emulated. There's a lot of things that kids could, could watch and, and try and pick up some tips. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, skating, a lot of the, the movement is, is in the hip. A lot of the power comes from your hip, hip drive and, and the glutes and the way they're, they're pushing with their legs, the hips are never, you know, opening too much. They're staying leveled sort of at a perpendicular level with the track. So they're really pushing, you know, on the side of the track rather than pushing behind themselves. And that, that's something hard when you're moving fast in skating and one skate, especially like it's easy to start pushing behind yourself with your ski rather than on the side. Uh, so, so that's one thing, like the hips are always leveled, always perpendicular with, uh, with the track. And then the, the same thing with the shoulders, like the shoulders are kind of, moving like a pendulum, like side to side, but not, not shifting, not opening. Unlike classic, when you want to just stretch your body in classic to try to lengthen your stride, skating is the total opposite. Like you want to stay square with your shoulders, with your hips, and, and just keep everything leveled and move, you know, side to side and, and kind of a, a really smooth, efficient way. And what I like about Amundsen is he's able to do all of that, but while involving his upper body like so well like in one skate like that that little finish that that tony was talking about sort of looks on tv a bit of a grindy finish like he was moving so fast at the end of the race on, on friday and you know in the last two kilometers like he put he put a decent amount of seconds on, on sure who's who's a good i mean sure's a for a small small guy like in skating is a good closer uh but but amundsen sort of almost doubled his lead just in the last couple kilometers so it, it, when he gets really really going the technique stays the same and he can really like involve the upper body so uh that, that's that's what i'd have to say and of course the classic having holding a flat ski as much as possible it, it's always there with with Hobinson. uh but but that's something i think most skiers know with the, like they know to think about a flat ski and skating so for me it's more like the hips the shoulders staying leveled staying square uh, that that's something that it's is hard to do it takes it, it requires a lot of core uh and you just gotta focus think about it when you're training going easy when you're training going hard when you're fatigued that's something to to think about and it has to become automatic so at, at the end of the race when everything starts going dark in, in your mind you, you can still keep that technique and, and keep the pace up that's an awesome and, explanation and i mean i think like 
yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, Harv. I think we got to move that. We're like, we're burning time here. We yeah, time. Move, we got, no, we, we, we got to talk. We got to talk about the, the women. We're going to, we're going to talk about the women. We're going to start with the 10 K skate. And it's great too. Cause Tony was with the French team. You knew that Alex and, and people that have listening or still listening to this has uh, heard the stories already, but also cool because like day one, Delphine Claudel second in an individual start skate race and not that far off. I mean, okay, Ebba outclassed the field, like winning by 13 seconds and the way she did it and the way she was looking, she was ready. She crushed. So Ebba Anderson is in obviously a in a 10K. Yeah. Like she's she's on form. She's looking, she's looking really, really good with her lead up to worlds. Really great to see Dig in. Great day for the US, man. Like insanely good day for the US with Diggs in third and only 20 seconds adrift and Rosie in fifth. And then Julia Kern in a in a 10K skate being 11th like that. So great, great day for, for the American women, uh, Ingveld, of course, in fourth, like just off the podium again. So it looks like Ingveld's coming, coming back online for, for world championships. She's had a couple, she's had a string of pretty solid races lately. Um, so that'll be, that'll be really interesting. So, uh, but Claudel, like, what was that vibe? Like, uh, Tony, like, you know, day one, that couldn't have been expected. I mean, that from my perspective, I don't know what you think, Alex or Nate, but like, like for me, like that, like, I mean, I was not expecting Claudel to be second in a 10K individual start with the likes of like Osberg, uh, Diggs, Rosie, even Celia in six, like Celia's had a great season, yeah. been all over the top 10. Like I was not expecting Claudel to be, to be that. So what was that vibe like, Tony, in the, in the French camp? Yeah. I mean, like that was one thing, uh, we, we touched on, we touched on it earlier. You made the comparison with like the, the cycling team, you know? You know, like Jumbo Visma, they never go into a race being like, hey, if we get a top 10, it's good. And the French team is kind of the same. I mean, they have this gear to go into every weekend and be like, maybe we can get a podium today. And um, it, yeah, I, I, man, it was, it was crazy. And to me, what was crazy too is like, yeah, it's a really hard course. And, but there's still a lot of transition and there's a lot of flat, like, Man, from the top of the, they call it the Côte de Balancier, so it's the far, far end of the course, is downhill all the way to the stadium. Like, that's that's a long way. And, like, Delphine is super, like, she's such a good climber. And I didn't think she was going to be able to, like, like sustain a, a speed that's going get, to get her, like, a second-place finish. Like, for sure she was... Man, I would have loved to to see like just the like the climbing segments because she's not a good downhill downhiller as well, and there's some pretty gnarly downhills on on that course. So, but yeah, no, that was crazy, and and the French team was like, it, that was one thing that was crazy. They were like, kind of expecting it, and also we gotta give it to them. Like they're so good at home under pressure. Like they they get a medal in every game or championship in the relay you know when they're racing for like their country there's something else and but yeah, i gotta, to I gotta jump just... in though tony i gotta jump in because like i agree with you but there's been one thing that has been separating that is that's women's results in french for the french yeah yeah no, so like you gotta yeah. go back to like filippo and you probably weren't even born when she was racing <laughs> and like racing into the top 10 but like this was like, I, it's just crazy for me to hear that, that they were like expecting Delphine. Like, I mean, yeah, she was great up the, the tour de ski climb, but we, we covered that. And Alex and I have 
still have nightmares about the tour de ski club and you're creating your own new nightmares tony for that climb but um but the reality was like it's just interesting to me to hear that 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 that, that environment that energy that excitement from the hometown team was almost like wow yeah delphine can do this when if i'm being totally honest like without even seeing the course when i just look at the start list 10k skate i'm like there's there's no chance like delphine would be hard pressed to be seventh you know what I mean? And then, and then for her to deliver a race like that, that's, but you know what, it's success breeds success. And I, I do agree with that, uh, Tony. So she's, she's, uh, but su yeah, super interesting perspective there, but I thought the 10 K skate was great for women. Uh, women's racing has been great all, all year. I don't know, Nat, do you want to add anything for the, the 10 K skate for women before we go to the women's sprint, which was awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, just quickly, I mean, that was Abba Anderson's first World Cup in almost two months, right? We saw her go down with COVID, and then I think she was racing, like, Scando Cup for a little bit. But just to see her back uh, in that kind of shape, I think, I think was cool. And then, I mean, just to validate, I don't know that we have to go into it anymore, but I, I, I do think, I mean to see this like resurgence of the French team, like they are, they now have like real, um, you saw, um, I'm totally going to forget his name. I had just pulled it up here. Um, Jules Lapierre, who was on the podium in the, uh, in, in the final climb in the tour to ski and Lapalu has been really good this year. So it's like those, those guys are firing. And then, I mean, I don't think you can understate the, the significance for like the culture of skiing and where skiing is going to go in France to like have results like this on a weekend at home. Like there were so many people, so many fans along the course. Like I, you got to think that like, you know, some, some new careers are going to have been inspired from the kind of racing we saw in Lagos this weekend for, for France. And that's, you know, given all the discussion we've had about you know, diversity of, of the different nationalities competing. Like I, I just, it, it was, it was, it was great to watch. Um, so yeah, I mean, in, in the, the women's sprint, um, should we, should we go there? Yeah, let's go there. And I want Alex to, if Alex was a betting man and he put his money on, she said he would have made a ton of money. What, like, can you just talk, like, what a final, like, oh, yeah. what a women's final. Like, that blew my mind what I saw there. Can you take us through that a bit, Alex? Yeah, I mean, she was really dominant, man. And it was good to, to me, it's like, you know, we, we saw her coming out of, uh, not nowhere, because she was good in Bidostol in that year, but, you know, the year of Seyfeld World Champs, like, kind of coming onto the scene as, as a junior. Uh, you know, she didn't have the, the body, because she's so tall. She didn't have the body of a junior, but I'd say she probably had the, racing mindset of a junior and now like on on yesterday on saturday she was racing like an like an ex, a seasoned veteran like she had so much confidence winning the qualifier and the way she skied in her heats and in the final like with so much confidence and you know we're talking about the downhills all you have to work the downhills like she was so good working those corners and just like leaving no chance for the the any for the swedes for the for the her competitors uh, so it was, yeah, it was great to see. Uh, and again, behind her, it was exciting as always. Like the, the Swedish team is, looks like they finally found a, an opponent for them for with world champs coming up. Um, but, uh, it was, yeah, the, the, the Swedish team as a whole on the women's side is, is so dominant in, in sprinting. Uh, so again, you know, they, they can, they can put so many different women on the podium. Again, it was Rebom and, and Dalvis this time, but could have could have been uh, any uh, any other one. So it was uh, yeah, it was 
good to see. But no, I think she started. I, I wouldn't have put money on her before the qualifier, but maybe afterwards after seeing her winning uh, like that. But uh, it was yeah, it was good to see. And it's you know it's it's hard in Norway with the amount of pressure that comes with being a you know sort of a prodigy like that junior. Uh, so, some can handle handle it really well at an early stage. For some, it might take a couple seasons for for them to handle it, and it looks like that's what happened with Shestad. But for her to to get her, I think it's her first time winning a World Cup. So I, for her, to, yeah, first time on a podium too. Yeah, so there you go. It's it takes some time, and it's talent can bring you so far. Uh, but to really make it to the very very top, especially in sprinting, when you do you know you do four races during the day and you can't really mess up any of them if you want to if you want to end up winning so it, it it a lot of it is in your mind and so it was it was great to see it seems like some some things have clicked in her mind lately and she's she's such a, a great skier like technically too like so so smooth and just finishing with that long monologue like she's so tall when you're tall like that it's so easy to find little defaults in your technique like just because you know, your, your legs are longer. So it's easy to see if some, if your knees coming in or not, like in your technique is, is quite impeccable in classic, especially. So it's, you know, it's, I think she's, she's going to finally kind of become what, what she was set to become in, in 2019. I think it's going to be a good, good for the, for the sport to, to have somebody else than a Swedish woman winning sprints. It, it was shocking, I thought, just to see all of a sudden, I mean, you know, Sundling hasn't been racing too much this year, but then she was back last weekend in Lavinio and, and you know, looked so good, even though, you know, she did end up losing that, uh, you know, team sprint final to, to Dalkfist in the end. But like, just to see all of a sudden the Swedish women, like, I don't know, maybe they were like up at altitude doing some hard training, but like, they looked mortal uh, this weekend in a way that I feel like we like, like Kern beat, I think Sundling and Svan in, in their semifinal, which was just like, I mean, awesome for Kern, but also like that doesn't happen uh, in the past couple of years. And, and then, you know, I think we had six Swedes in the, in the semi. So I don't know. I mean, I really enjoyed that. And I just like the kind of star is born moment where ski style was just like skiing with so much confidence um, and kind of really just outclassed everyone. I'm sure you guys, uh, Devin and Tony, you guys have some observations. I had one more chapeau that I wanted to give, which was um, Haley Swerble. Uh, Haley, Haley was um, not on the world cup circuit to start this year. She was racing continental cup, which you know, it sounded like she felt like that was really going to be the best plan for her to, you know, I think for just kind of like stability and mental health, not spending like the whole freaking winter away from, you know, the people, you know, and being on the road. And I gotta say, like, I think I, I absolutely support that decision. And I, I, I think like, you got to do what's right for you. But I was, I was kind of skeptical that we would see her racing at, you know, world cup level. And she just comes in this weekend and, um, you know, she was, she looked world-class. She had really good results. Uh, I think today, I think, you know, she was top 20, if not close to the top 15. And then in that, in that, uh, quarterfinal, you know, she, she snuck into the semis as a lucky loser, but she, you know, kind of stayed in contact with the Swedes that were leading that heat and just looked like really sharp. And, um, I felt like that was really exciting to see someone, who, you know, 
have the confidence to like do what's right for them and to come in and be able to execute like that. Um, just like it's, it's exciting and encouraging and I'm excited to see what else we'll, we'll, um, we'll get from Haley Swerble this season. Oh, I, I agree. That's uh well put Nat. I don't have actually else to add with the sprint other than we kind of like breezed over Kern and like she's fifth in a classic sprint yeah. final against a lot of heavy hitters when the likes of like Sunling is not in the final uh, she's beating Hogstrom. Yeah, okay, Johanna is a bit better in skating, but still, so is so is Julia. So Julia's had a fantastic season, and we had Alex on like one of the first uh, pods of the racing season, and you mentioned Alex that like it, it, it shouldn't be lost on anyone that she switched which switched ski brands as well, like you said earlier. And just want to bring that up again. It's the fact that she's had so much consistent top tens, top twelves, finals even 11th in a distance race like, like she had in the 10k here and later it's like with her first year on a on a new ski brand like that tony too buddy it's same with you i mean alex is gonna say it's just because solomon's the best skis in the world of course i'll have atomic is solomon just by yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly but regardless but regardless like it, it's a chapeau to you too tony because that it, it it isn't it isn't super hard you have good help with solomon i know that and i know that julie has great help with the atomic boys and they do a really good work too and they've done uh they've really lifted you see i mean atomic has done a big push the last few years and i know they have great service guys but regardless it, it is something another thing that i think is special and worth worth mentioning that you tony changed to, to solomon this year and it's gone really well and uh julia also with atomic went really well but we got to talk about the the 20k yeah. classic because like well, it's so I, good that we gotta I, go tony's gotta go to bed like he's a professional athlete alex is not in you like who cares but like tony's gonna go to bed i, I actually yeah, do I, oh, go for it i want to add one one more thing like to me watching the 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 sprint in the woman was so good because like we're going into world champs like it's coming like pretty fast and to see like healy coming from the u.s here knowing she trained well and everything and Julia like doing so good in, in the, in the sprint, like, man, it's, this is pretty exciting. Like I know they're, they're going to toe black next week and for sure they're going to tweak their training. Like every other team are going to do. And like, for sure, they're going to be ready for, for this, that classic sprint and, and Penician. Yeah. That's exciting. And, and man, we're gonna, we got to touch on it too. Like the Swedish, girls is like the norwegian man like like who are you gonna start in in planitia for the swedish girl like man i don't want to be the one making that decision like they are so dominant and it's so good to see like lynn's vaughn back from what two years of like yeah she had big surgery i think in her, in her shoulder and like and then ribbon and and Sunling were in livigno last week um or, or, or the the two weeks prior the World Cup there, so they've been training hard for sure. Their their shape is going up, and and Dalquist too is like, she's been really consistent. So yeah, I'm, that's really exciting. And and yeah, the 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 women's sprint was delightful here in in, uh, in France. It was yeah, super good to watch. Really quickly, should Americans be worried that Jesse Diggins was? 35th in that sprint qualifier and also you know did okay we got Devin's got some comments here yeah I've got some intel on that American fans should find the qualifier feed and like see the roller derby I'm just like I cannot believe Jesse Diggins stayed on her feet she skied out of the course and it was like rodeo style like 
into the rhubarb, like into the pow. She she didn't fall, but she was not just a little bit off course. Like diggers just went like flying off the course, uh, way out into like the powder, and then like quite far down because on that on that section of the course, like Tony's touched on a little bit, and, and Alex too, where it's like it looks like a gradual descent till you see a, a side panning shot and you see how fast everyone's moving and Diggins skiing out of the course was like just classic. Cause like she was going mock Schnell, like way, way off course. So, I mean, anyone should not be worried. And, and we didn't mention it, but Diggins was also, oh, I guess we haven't got there yet. That's where, that's my uh, rough transition into the 20 K classic because uh, I've, I've, I've been less than impressed with Diggins' classic skiing lately. Um, especially technically and things just haven't been clicking. And I'm not going to say that Diggins looked good technically in the 20 K today. She didn't, but she looked a lot better, a lot, a lot better than she has in the last five weeks. So <clears throat> that was, that was good to see. And she, she came ninth today in, in a, in a hard fought 20 K we, we, before Alex jumped on, we were just like going off about how there was the best men's race of the season by far to watch. It was super exciting, like amazing fireworks and the women's race too, man. was like, it was a great women's 20 K to watch. I thought, and some amazingly surprising Ebo gets her second win, which is so cool. Um, she comes away with the weekend, like back to back, uh, distance wins and she wins by a lot over Kirtu Niskanen, who was fighting really hard. They were skiing really well together, working really, really well together. And the fact that Ebba could distance Kirtu like she did, that that surprised me. Like, Ebba is in great shape right now. So it'll be really fun to see if she can carry that in, into Worlds. But to me, third place, and this is, I want to get Alex's perspective on this one. Astrid Oyerslind is 34 years old. She's the best long-distance skier, like the Ski Classics, so she last year, just to give some context, people that are maybe a little dorkier than the average bear um, might have noticed that like Astrid won the Vasilopet and Birkin, like Birkin, the two of the three biggest races of the long distance circuit, hands down. It's Marcia Longa that happened this weekend, actually happened today. And Vasilopet and Birkin that are like the, the big daddies of the ski classic. The rest of them are kind of sideshows, to be perfectly honest, because they just don't have the same cachet as the the monuments in, in ski classics but this she got nods to some early world cups delivered really well in 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 uh like out of the national national group in, in some races top tens and then she got a chance at the tour top tens and then there was a discussion like she could have a chance to make world championships she's 34 years old she's never made a championship before first world cup podium alex 34 years old and the way she did it like i don't know if you caught much of that race but just because yeah, to get yeah. your perspective no i mean it's you know i mean she got that bronze medal just with her double pulling strength I mean, more than that she had to bring herself to that finish and so you know not just with that but the the difference maker between her and ingvild was really that double pulling strength that grindy finish that tony talked about ingvild had to switch to striding and Ostrid could keep double pulling and for sure that that's all the work over the last, you know, decade, maybe she's done training for ski classics, training for double polling only. Uh, so dude, really hats off to her. Really impressive to, to keep going in a, you know, in a country where, especially like up until Terra is retired. And before that, Marit, like the positions, the spots on the women's team for world cup starts or championship starts were so limited. Cause you had like 
two or basically the two best skier in the women's side ever to ski during your career with Marit and, and Therese. And then with Heidi, Heidi Vang being dominant for a lot of those years, Ingvild, like it's so hard to, to keep that belief alive during all those years and to, to finally hit that, that elusive World Cup podium at 34. It's yeah, just hats off to her. There's nothing else to be said. I think it, it was just great to see. And it, it shows that if you, you know, if you keep believing, you keep improving a little bit every year, anything is possible. So yeah, just impressive to see. And I, you know, you touched a bit on, on that with Ingvild being fourth in the 10K, fourth again today. It's, you know, it's, it's got to be heartbreaking for her because she, she's won a bunch of races, but at least it shows her that she has a consistency in the lead up to the world championship. She has a consistency to, to fight for an individual medal uh, in, in Planitza. So it's, it's, it's good to see. And finally with, you know, Ebba two wins and two races in a row for her, not, not racing the sprint. Uh, she, she's really coming in hot for worlds. Uh, hopefully not too hot. I remember, I think there's there might be another weekend. I'm not sure about the schedule, but I remember Torni Etlin saying like you don't want to win the last World Cup before the championship. So so that's always something that you're you're thinking. Am I coming in too hot too early? Uh, but but no, Eba is, is skiing really well and finishing with Diggins. It's it's true that she's struggling with classic, but like Jesse is a you know she's she's made her career out of skating. And some years or some some portion of some seasons, she, she's able to ski well in classic, but her bread and butter is in skating. I mean, she was still third in, in that race on Friday. I like the fact that she skipped Livigno. Like, it's it's hard for us North American when you spend the whole winter in Europe to make the decision of skipping a, a race weekend while you're... It's not like you're at home with your family, with your, your boyfriend for her, like you're still in Europe in a hotel room. So you're, it's, you're, it's easy to be tempted. And I've been tempted. I've done it, you know, sometimes and looking back was maybe not the best decision, but it's easy to say like, instead of doing an interval session, I might as well do the race weekend. Uh, so I think it was good for her to take a break. She, she's one of those racers that races a lot and hopefully it, it pays off for world champs. And, you know, she, she was back on a podium after a, a tour with a tour to ski where she was really up, up and down. And for sure that the energy levels might not have been at their best. So, uh, you know, classic skiing has never been her forte, but she's still one of the best skater in the world. And, and she showed it again on Friday. So, uh, thing again, her lead up for world champs is, is kind of coming along nicely. And, uh, yeah, just finally was an, another exciting weekend for the women, like the, so many different women have, have won races this weekend, uh, not this weekend, sorry, this season. So it, it looks like it's going to keep going like that in the, until the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like uh, Tony touched on it a bit before in the sprints, but it's really cool to see Ribom in fifth, Sunling in sixth. Sunling closed the season last. Like everyone was talking, we talked about that hard. Like at the end of last season, everyone's like, okay, Sunling's the next Mar Birgen. Then she got super sick in period one, and we don't even know. And now she's coming back from her illness. But sixth place, she looked pretty good. They were totally outclassed though by by uh, Kirtu and Eba. That that that's that's for sure. Um, but three fins in the top ten. Matt Tallo too. She's a great classic skier. Uh, but seventh, like these, these are great results. And 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 this is kind of like the thing with Finland that I think is kind of interesting. And we've seen this in a lot of relays. Like they they seem to always have like three strong athletes, and then like one where they're like, oh god, and 
it, we've seen that so many times in the relay. So I'm kind of crossing my fingers for the women because it, 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 it would be cool. I, I thought they were, I thought they were skiing well. Tough, tough racing for Heidi Wang. Talking about you just touched on it with the picking the teams, Alex, um, for for the Norwegian women. It, it's also hard on that side of things. I think Astrid Schlin, she's she's getting a spot at World Championships now. I mean, come on, you got to put her in the 50k. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but and man, but, I, but Heidi, I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta jump in here. Yeah, do it, it. for me, it's impressive because uh, Slin. Right, like the weekend after the tour, there's a double a marathon weekend in in Dobiaco. So it's the I don't I don't even know the the name of the marathon. I didn't even know they were like they were like big big races. But me and Laura roll in to Toe Black, and I look at the result, and I see her. She raced the whole tour, and now she's there winning the race. And like, it's not easy race, man. Like one of them is finishing up at like. 2000 meter and it's like the biggest climb i've ever seen to the finish line and she's just like crushing those lopet weekend and then the next week she's like on the world cup so yeah to me that's really impressive and yeah i think it's hats off to her and and Engville too i, I was pretty impressed with Engville. oh sweet i mean i think we could probably just wrap this puppy up you got to go to bed tony like, uh, I don't want to get a phone call from, I don't want to get seven missed phone calls from Louis saying like, why the hell are you keeping Tony up past his bedtime? He's got worlds to prepare for, but really pumped that you, you made the effort to join Harv. Always a pleasure. I mean, you know, when we, when we put like questions out in the podcast, like the, like the few listeners we have, everyone's like, gotta get Alex Harvey on. And also the other comments are like, Kirsch, shut the hell up. And let the real legend talk. Devin, why the fuck do you talk so much? We want to hear Alex's opinion. So hopefully the listeners today got to hear Alex's opinion. And we we love to have you on, Harp. So have a great day back there in, in Montsinan. And and that same bat time, same bat channel next weekend in uh, Toblock for, for, as Alex pointed out, the last World Cup before uh, before the World Championships. And if you win that one, well, good luck winning Worlds. That's uh, you heard <laughs> from, from Toron Hetland. So yeah. uh, it's got to be right. You don't want to win unless you're Dario. Dario was able to yeah, do yeah. that. Unless you're Dario, then you're fine. Or Petter, probably. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Back in the well, day. Petter but... was like second the weekend yeah, okay. before yeah, the championships, yeah. it yeah. seems like. Or 50. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He stuck the Toronese at Thierry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks well, a lot, yeah. guys. Yeah, thank you. We'll be we'll be back next week. I will just say, I mean, I'm I'm actually shocked that we could get Tony and Alex on the same on the same episode. It's like, you know, I think in the US we don't let uh the president and the vice president like fly on Air Force One at the same time. Uh <laughs> and I, I think it's you know probably like that getting Alex and uh, Tony on the podcast at the same time. So uh yeah, but uh we'll we'll be back for uh for Toe Block. Everyone loves those uh those courses and then uh on to world championships. So Enjoy yeah. Sunday. Thanks for having me, guys. That was so fun. And yeah, love to uh, get back on here with, with Harv some some other times, oh, maybe yeah. uh, before the end of the season. Well, World Championships, uh, there's races pretty much every day. And quite frankly, we're thin on material here. So we would love to have you back on during the World Championships. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll keep in touch. But have a great have a great evening, Tony. Safe yeah. uh Safe travels wherever you're heading now for for the prep and have a great <laughs> training camp and good luck, man. We're cheering super loud for you and uh, congratulations on a great season so far. 
Harv, don't get too out of shape, eh, buddy? Like, Tony's going to come back and kick your ass all over Mont saint and stuff, so. No, Harv is training for the locket now. Yeah, exactly. I'm training for the classic, dude. Yeah, exactly. It has my name, so I can't, yeah, exactly. I can't disappoint my daughter. I was just going to say, it's your name. Yeah, you cannot disappoint, disappoint your daughter. daughter. No, absolutely. No. Not, this, no. not at this stage. Thanks a lot, guys. Take it easy. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back. 